0: All right, guys, what's up? We're on the 60th installment of the Plane to Win series. Uh, joined today with uh, Ryan from Order of Man. How
1: you doing, brother? What's up, man? I I knew this was just a matter of time, so glad we could finally make this thing work.
0: Yeah, I've... Um, so, I mean, I mentioned this to you in the DMs, um, you know, the other week, and uh, I came across a video of yours ages ago. It must have been around 2015 or 16. I don't know if you produced it around that time. It was even older, but... There was this like shell of a guy talking to a camera about um, basically losing his kids and his wife, and uh, he was going to fix all of that. Um, And I was rooting for you. I was like, you know, this guy seems like he's uh, decent and he wants to do the right thing. So I kind of want to start from there because I mean, like, the theme of this podcast is playing to win, and there's a big difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. Um, You've shown me, you know, without a doubt, um, that you've done quite a lot with your life over this period of time, you've got a very, very successful podcast. I think it ranks in the top 30 in the business
1: category now. It does. Yeah. I think 22 yesterday. So we're trying to crack that top 10, man. We're going to make it happen.
0: Yeah. And you've also started a podcast with your son. I think it's called making a man or, or the making man, in the, ma- making. Ma- man ma- in the making, man in the making. Man in the making. Yeah. I listened to that with my daughter the other day. Cause I was like, Hey, oh, you know, awesome. what do you think about doing something like this? Right. And she's just like, yeah, let's check it out. So we went for, Dude, there's nothing so. like it
1: there's nothing like it in the market right now. Um, I looked all over high and low and my son and I wanted to do that for some time. Cause he wants to be like me. He's like a clone except for the beard. Um, and so I'm like, let's do it, man. So we did it. And there's nothing like it. And I'm telling you the feedback that we've received from fathers with their daughters, fathers with their sons has been amazing. So, so proud that we could be able to do that.
0: Tell me about the growth that you went through from that shell of a guy that I talked about earlier. Um, you know, in that video where you're like, what did you say in that video exactly? Cause I mean, obviously you made it, so you know exactly what happened, what you stated. So can you talk about that and sort of like, yeah, the, like the storyline arc, you know, between then and now
1: for sure. Yeah. I think the video you're referring to was a video. I talked about the separation with my wife. I think I titled it why my wife left me. Cause I've always been a pretty good marketer. Mm. <laughs> so I knew that would get a lot of attention, you know? Uh, and I actually took that video. I don't do this anymore and maybe I ought to revisit that, but I took that video down because so many a-holes just misinterpreted what I was saying. And I just, I didn't want to get in the bullcrap crap of them trying to, you know, paint me as a beta or a cuck or all these terms, you know, people throw around. But, mm-hmm. you know, admittedly I was in that camp that you just said earlier of playing not to, not to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was just trying to like grasp on to some semblance of my life before my wife left me. And, Frankly, at the time, uh, a lot of my universe revolved around her. You know, I didn't realize that until she left uh, and took my one-year-old son at the time. Um, Oh, it was just the
0: one child that you had at the time? Just one at
1: the time. Yeah, we have four now. We have four now. But it was just one at the time. Okay. Uh, And so for a long time, man, I really blamed her. I was like, how could she do this? Why was she disloyal? She didn't appreciate, you know, what I was doing and what I'm trying to grow my business for the family. And... I remember I was driving down the road and I came to the conclusion. So we're knee deep in our separation that holy shit, maybe, maybe this isn't like just her. (laughs) Maybe there's like, maybe I have something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I had just at that point written off the marriage thinking this thing was over. And at that point it was very cathartic for me because I went to work on myself um, I started getting to shape. I started dialing my finances. My business started growing. I started getting back into some spiritual elements of my life that I had let go. Um, I, I, I built new friendships. I hired a mentor. Like I was kicking ass. And it was like flipping a switch on the wall. You know, she, she responded to that. She saw that. And, and I came to this conclusion that, you know, we can't control people, which is what I was trying to do. Like if she did this and she did that, and I just need her to change, then my life would be great. And I move from, hey, I'm not going to try to control people anymore. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm going to do the best I can the way I see fit. And then I'm going to have faith that that's going to influence people in my life positively. Her, my kids, um, people that might be inspired by what we're doing here. And so I, I, I've, I've, I've let go of the, the need to like change people and prove to people like what they should do. I'm just going to shine as a beacon to the best of my ability and let the chips fall where they may um and that's proved to be instrumental not only in my marriage but in the business in the in the movement as well
0: what's the like what was the catalyst that caused you guys to part ways at that time
1: uh you know i don't think it was just one thing i remember we got into a fight one evening about who knows what i don't even remember uh and uh i said i i remember this i vividly remember this i said i don't even want to be married to you anymore mm. and she said i agree i don't either mm. and the next morning Uh, I was supposed to go four hours north for some training in my business and I got about an hour north. I'm like, man, what the hell are you doing? And I turned around and came home and I was like, Hey, look like, yeah, obviously that's, that's not what I believe. But then it was too little too late. Mm -hmm. Then she was gone. Um, I just think there was a lot of contention and animosity that had built up in our relationship. I spent some time overseas with the military and when I got back, we had only been married for six months when I left. And when I got back, it was like trying to like date again, but we were married. And then I was trying to grow my financial planning practice. And I was frustrated because I I didn't know how to do it. And I felt inadequate and I was overweight and out of shape. I was a loser, man. Mm. Uh, And I took all of that frustration out on the person whose fault or responsibility. It wasn't my wife. It was my responsibility. And I didn't pin that on myself. I pinned it on her and then i played these little manipulation games and made her feel like shit that that it had something to do with her um so you know that boiled over that evening and uh, man that was a dark time of my life it really was oh yeah
0: it, it was it was very obvious in that video like i i don't have you know the copy of it cuz you took it down but i vividly remember thinking to myself wow this guy's like hit the bottom and, yeah man you know is he yeah. going to keep digging down or is he going to you know climb his way out of this one Um, And it sounds like you did something with all that. So it sounds like you kind of um, made what I call making your wounds your work, right? Like I did something similar with my channel too, right? And, um, you know, you took that trauma of, um, you know, the wounds that you were dealing with, and you kind of made it like the body of your work, you created the podcast, you created your, um, I think it's, um, it's a community called the Iron Council, is
1: it? It is. Yeah. That's our kind of our exclusive yeah. brotherhood that we have. Yeah Can you
0: can you talk about the podcast and how that started to take off and, and how that changed your life? I,
1: I think your wo- your wounds are your work is a great way to put it. Um, I created something that I needed. You know, I didn't have it. I looked around and I was like, man, I really need some guys in my corner. You know, I had forsaken all my friends because I got married. And that's one of the first things to go is your, your own health and then your buddies. Mm-hmm. So I felt like a I I, honestly, I felt like a sack of shit, like calling my friends up and say, Hey bro, my wife left me. Can we hang out? So I didn't even do that because Mm. I felt like such a loser. Um, So I had to go out and find new friends. But the guys that I was surrounded with seemed more interested in the party or the whatever that I, that I was video games, things that I wasn't interested in. So I'm like, man, what, what is out there? You know, what's out there. And there were some things like art of manliness was a big influence early on for me. Mm. And I think Brett McKay does some incredible work. In fact, I still am connected with him and follow him closely. Um, But I thought there was a big disconnect between the information that we as men have access to and then what we're actually doing. Mm -hmm. And nobody was in my corner saying, Ryan, you're failing. You're struggling. Here's what you should do. Here's how you should fix it. So I said, all right, well, I got to create it. And I had a podcast um, before Order of Men called Wealth Anatomy. Mm -hmm. And I was focused on giving financial advice to medical professionals because that was my line of work. Uh, And I realized, man, I love podcasting. I love getting behind this microphone and having these conversations. I don't want to have that conversation, but there's a handful of guys I want to talk with because I need some mentorship. I need some guidance and direction in my life. Uh, But they don't have any reason to talk with me. So I'll create a podcast and tell them I'll promote it to my audience. who was probably like two people at that point. Um, And it it worked, you know, like they, they, I'm the biggest recipient, even to this day, 850 plus podcasts later, man, every time I get to have a conversation with you or other people, I'm like, dang, this is my job. Really? This is awesome. Yeah. So it's been powerful.
0: Yeah. It's pretty awesome being able to have enough influence where you can reach out to some interesting people and have, um, you know, beyond interesting conversations. Um, it sounded like you, you, you sort of changed your, uh, your network to a pretty significant degree as you were making your wounds, your work like that there were obviously people that you had to let go of like how did you make those decisions like i call these anchors and sales right like like there's people that are anchors that are going to hold you back that you got to cut loose and there's of course sales that will you know you you uh you know you cast up and it fills with wind and it you know takes you to your next uh port of call sort of thing like how did you how did you go through the process of deciding you know like who's who's going to come along for the ride and who you got to let go of
1: I, I didn't have anybody in my circle at that point. I, I really didn't. Anybody worth having in my circle anyways? You know, I mean, I, that that's not entirely fair. You know, I had I, I had family members and things who cared about me, you know, things like that. But that's not what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what I actually started doing is not eliminating people from my life, but being very conscious about who I wanted in my life. And so I started attending conferences and started reaching out to people and connecting with them on social media um, going to events, creating my own events. And then I just realized through through that process, I started to look around and I'm like, man, I don't have any losers in my circle. Not because I actively cut them out, but because I was actively pursuing the right kind of people and high caliber men in my corner. And then the other thing I would say is trying to be valuable to those guys. Like I didn't feel, I felt really inadequate initially when I was trying to spend time with these high achievers and the men I was inspired by and and, and looked up to. But I I, I realized if I don't belong here, then I gotta figure out a way to belong here and what can I do? I can add value. How did and you do that? The thing that I did, yeah, the, the thing that I did is I just started making introductions. I mean, like I I didn't have anything personally I felt like I could add, but I would listen, hey, Rich needs has this problem, he needs an introduction, and and Joe over here has this problem, but he can solve Rich's. So like what if I synced these guys up? Mm -hmm. and i started becoming an frankly at the risk of sounding arrogant an incredible networker and i was listening for problems Um, i was listening for people who provided solutions and then i was learning how to make those connections in the most effective way and then just get out of the way like that's it just let the chips fall where they may and get out of the way and i've done that tens if not hundreds of thousands of times at this point and i've become pretty invaluable in in some people's lives because I'm a champion for them. I look for their problems and I help them solve those problems through connections. I might not be able to fix anything, but I can make a connection to somebody who can.
0: How did you figure out the importance of making those connections? Like When was that, you know, like epiphany moment, like the frying pan to the forehead, like, wow, this is important. This actually opens doors.
1: I I don't know if there was a moment where I'm like, oh, this will work. Cause that almost sounds like you're gaming it. Mm. And it might sound like I'm gaming it now as you're listening to this, but you just have to care about people. <laughs> like, that's it. I, I, I shouldn't have to say that, but it seems like I do, especially mm-hmm. in this like over marketing digitized world of trying to like game and manipulate every relationship that you have for your mm-hmm. benefit. But like, I care about people. You know, I, I, I want people to win. I want to see them thrive. Just like you said, you watched that video. You didn't know me at the time, but you're like, man, I hope this guy makes it because you care about people. Mm-hmm. And if you care about people, then you're going to get your own ego out of the way and your own pride. I will say that got in the way. There was times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep score. Like I introduced rich to Joe and they did this deal. And now Joe and rich. owe me, mm-hmm. man, that doesn't, that doesn't equate to care. That's manipulation. That's like, I, it's not even a gift. Like I'm trying to get something from you. So I, I don't know. I just, I've always cared about people. You know, I, I was raised by prim- primarily a single mother. Um, and, and bless her heart she she's one of the most caring people i know so maybe i learned it from her i remember one story that we had this um we had this postman he was he was kind of a jerk i remember him be, being a jerk mm-hmm. and uh and my mom i don't know why i remember this story but my mom like made it her mission to make that guy her friend and he just seemed miserable i remember that as a young kid but she would on holidays like give him a plate of cookies or put a cake out for him when he when he brought the mail and over time man sure enough like he became such a pleasant person to be around and he would smile and he would greet us and I'm like whoa this is cool and i think that's quite an epiphany moment for me of just treating people well and letting the results and the chips fall where they may when you do
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i you know, since you brought up that thing about being raised by, um, by
1: your mom, like what happened to your dad? Uh, so my dad and mom split when I was about three years old. Uh, unfortunately, he got into drugs and alcohol. Um, and my mom decided, you know, she didn't want to raise me and my sister in that environment. To her credit, of course. Because uh, I think it would have been easier in a lot of ways for her to stick around and stay and just keep us in that environment. But mm-hmm. she pulled us from that environment. Um, my dad's a good man. You know, uh, we had our man, we had a lot of, a lot of challenges in our relationship. He died actually three years ago. Um, unfortunately, and I, he was in the hospital my mom called me and long story short. Um, I was, I was driving to go see him and she calls me about 30 minutes out. She's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm coming. I got there. He died 30 minutes before I got there, Mm. you know? And so, um, man, I never got to say goodbye. There's a lot of things that were unsaid between us, um, And in another life, you know, we'll have those conversations. Uh, There's a lot of redeeming qualities about him, but you know, a lot of things that uh, I think he could have done better. And I think uh, if he'd be here in this conversation right now, he'd probably say the same thing. So I'm I'm trying to redeem. I don't know. This is a weird, I haven't talked about it like this, but I'm trying to redeem myself and in a way trying to redeem him and live for him and the decisions that I think in another life he would have made differently.
0: Did he spend much time with you when you were growing up or was it mostly your mom?
1: Yeah. That was mostly my mom, but you know, we lived in in different areas of the state, California, and then I moved to Utah. So I didn't see him a whole lot, but I saw him about once a year, maybe twice a year. Mm. Not a lot, but man, we had some good times. You know, we built Pinewood Derby cars together and did Legos together and watched uh American gladiator together. That was a big one. Like yeah, was a big and WWE. That. Yeah, man. Um, so <laughs> we Hearn's had a the good relationship year
0: old. That's not on uh, TRT
1: apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, we had a good, a good enough relationship as you could when you only see your father once a year, twice a year, maybe.
0: And, and like one of the things that I've noticed as a general tr- trend, cause I, cause I've coached um, probably well over a thousand guys now, like one-on-one, whenever there's a guy that's been raised by a single mom, um, it always seems like they start life from a position of um, they're missing something, right? Like it's a bit of a disadvantage. Of you know, they're uh, softer, they're a little more beta, they're more accommodating, they're humble to a fault. Um, did you find yourself um, in a position when you came into your like teen years, you know, like young adulthood, where you had to sort of like figure that out, like how do I, how do I uh, reconcile? you know, dealing with this feminine influence
1: growing up with this need to be a man? I didn't, I didn't feel it to that level when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I do remember vividly having a very hard time relating with other young men. Like even my friends and I had friends, you know, I was social, I played football, I played sports. I don't know. I just didn't feel confident, man. Like Mm -hmm. I always felt like just some underlying level of inadequacy or I wasn't like cool enough or know i didn't belong there and i was kind of just a visitor and just partaking but not really part of the club you know Mm. i I didn't feel like i was part of the tribe i kind of felt like the token guy who's just like kind of hovering around and Mm. you know but i was a popular kid i was athletic you know so from the outside looking in you would think oh that guy's got it all figured out and i had some real self-esteem issues i mean even 10 years ago maybe even less even having this conversation with you, I'd be intimidated by it, you know? And I think a lot of these guys that grow up with overly feminine influences in their lives misinterpret assertiveness, strength, uh, conviction for, you know, being an asshole or or overbearing or dominant. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that anymore because I've been able to build that confidence over time where I look at somebody like yourself or other people I've had interactions with and think I'm not intimidated. Like I'm impressed, you know, I'm inspired. Um, and I love having conversations like this.
0: Mm. Um, talk to me about marriage and kids. Cause I mean, it, it seems like your, um, best material or the stuff that people seem to recognize you for the most is sort of like built around that uh, family dynamic that like the traditional yeah. conservative, like the tradcon con sort of values. Um, talk about the expectations that you had as a man getting into marriage versus the reality of what you experienced once you were in it. And then the kids started to arrive.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a hard thing, you know, it's, uh, it's been a challenge. Oh, ho- Rich, hold on one quick second. Here's I just got to close this door up. Mm-hmm.
0: Stuff like this happens live. We don't we don't record these and edit. We just do them live, boys. Let me grab a couple of these super chats while he's doing that. Got uh, Dragos on the line, getting ready for forum this afternoon. And uh, dude says, whether you are raised by a single mom or a masculine dominated mom, married to your beta father, the results are still the same. Sorry, man. You were about to go ahead and uh, chime in on that.
1: Yeah. No, I was going to say it was a challenge because I really didn't have um, a model. You know, okay. I, I I don't I didn't know what a good marriage look like I didn't know what a good relationship looked like I I, I kind of always felt especially now as I have a father uh, I'm a father of four um I've always felt like I've been a father at heart mm. <laughs> in a way like maybe old for for my years and I feel like even just now I'm coming into it for myself uh, but yeah I never had an example of, of what it was supposed to look like and how a husband honors his wife and raises his children I, man I just didn't see that so I struggled as evidenced by our sep the separation I had with my wife, um, man, I struggled and, and it was a challenge and it was a chore and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm trying to leave my family and I'm trying to grow this business and I don't know how to do this. And I was losing my cool and calm and patience. I call it losing your frame. Like I had no, fr- not even, I didn't even lose my frame. I had no frame whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and so I had to build that. And when I started to build that for myself is where the marriage changed because I mean, let's be real. That's, that's what a woman generally, I think, not always, not exclusively, but generally a woman's looking for a man with a frame, with some balls, somebody who's going to lead them in a masculine way. And I didn't have it. And that's Mm -hmm. why my wife responded the way she did and the way that she responds now to the way I lead. So, so when you use the word frame, I think I understand it the same
0: way that you use it. Um, you know, in every relationship, there's, there's a frame of the guy, and there's a frame of the woman. And generally speaking, whoever enters the other person's frame becomes the leader in that relationship. I think for the most part today, it seems like most guys enter the woman's frame. And um, like I see uh, content out there now around female-led relationships. Like there's actually like social media sites and there's blogs that are built around this now where it's like they encourage women to make women like men less so they can become more. And then the man enters their frame and sort of like, you know, serves them, you know, they, you know, the man puts her up yeah. on a pedestal. Did you ever do that? Like, that's not how your marriage runs right now. Like, it sounds like she's in your frame.
1: Yeah, I would say that. Um And I, I don't know if I ever went into her, her, her frame the way that you're expre- explaining it necessarily, but what you're saying Makes sense. I haven't heard it described that way. But as they're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that makes sense because as a young man who doesn't have a dad in his life, whose frame are you in? Well, you're in your mother's frame. Mm-hmm. She leads everything. She makes all the decisions. She makes the financial decisions. She tells you when to eat, what to eat, like everything. Right. And so if you've never had that masculine presence where you have a father who's not telling you to, like, I don't want my My boys, I have three boys and a girl. I don't want my boys to perpetually live under my thumb. Like I want them to go out. Like my son, the other day, he got mad about something, and I saw it in his eyes, and he challenged me. Like not physically, but he challenged me in a way I hadn't seen before. He's almost 14 now, and I'm like, this is good. This this is what I want. Mm -hmm. Like like now, look, you're gonna challenge me in my house. Like I'm gonna win that battle all day long but this is a healthy behavior. I want to see this in you. Mm. But, a, but, a, but a boy who doesn't have that is always going to be under the wing of his mother. And so when he leaves the nest and he's out on his own, he's like, oh, he's lost. He's confused. He's scared. And so he finds a woman who has the same frame as his mother and then he becomes her, uh, uh, her, um, her, her child. You know. And so I, I think what you're saying is, is pretty accurate, although I'd never heard it explained that way. It makes sense. Yeah. Um,
0: dude is Desi has a question for you. He says, what's the best way to beat out decades of beta
1: tization? You gotta, you gotta spend time with other men. Like you you have to do masculine things and you have to be around those kind of men that you want to be around. Cause when I spend time with other men, they're not beta type men. They're strong, courageous, bold, assertive, convicted men. And, and I learn from them what that looks like. And we do masculine activities Mm. and, and, and so we we spend time in the wilderness together. We push each other. We do jujitsu together. We try to beat each other up in a controlled environment, of course. You know, so that changes you. It, mm-hmm. it, that's the great thing about it is that you can learn. If you, I have a lot of guys will reach out and they'll say, "Hey, I didn't have a dad in my life, and I don't know how to be a man. So, like, what do I do now?" Well, like, it's not too late. <laughs> you just need what you needed twenty years ago. You just do it now. Yeah, you might behind be behind the eight ball a little bit, but it's okay. So. One of the first so things the I tell guys to do, to do is to join a dojo and start fighting. For sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. Let me give you an example. Um, I don't. I, I'm not going to like say names or anything here, and I'll just try to be pretty general here. But like, I've I've trained jujitsu, and when another man puts his hands on you and grabs you, you can tell a lot about that individual immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've been training with a couple of guys who have just got it started, and they grab you, and it's almost like feminine in a way when, when they put their hands on you and it's like, it's like, Hey man. And I told, I told somebody the other day, I'm like, like, like grab me. Like you mean it, like violently grab me. Mm-hmm. And he had a hard time doing that. And, and I don't, I don't know his situation. I'm, I'm jumping to conclusions here, but I, I think generally you, you can see a lot about the way that a man asserts himself, especially in that physically heavy environment, yeah, they'll come away
0: with a nice lesson when you fold them into a pretzel in their clothing and send them home, right?
1: They might or they might run away and cower and never come back. Like that's up to them, yeah. you know, and, and I like to see the guy just like I was who's like, oh, shit, I never want that to happen to me again. That When I started training jiu-jitsu, you know, I got beat up, I got banged up, and I didn't, I didn't run away. I was like, I got to figure that out because there's no man who should ever be able to do that to me again.
0: Why did you pick rolling? I mean, there's a lot of options when it comes to uh, combat sports. Like, why did you pick that? Is it is it just what you like? Did you try a bunch of things and sort of settle on that?
1: No, just proximity. I had a couple of very close friends who were involved in jiu-jitsu at the time and had been training for, uh, at the time, about 10 years, 10 plus years. And mm-hmm. so they said, come come try jiu-jitsu. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. And fell in love with it and have been doing it ever since.
0: Makes sense. Uh, here, i got a follow-up here. He says, you definitely don't want to hear her sorry you don't want her to be the mom in the relationship or else you become her surrogate baby and she'll treat you like one yeah one of the things that like frustrates the hell out of women that turns them right off is when they feel like they have another child and you're a grown-ass adult and they do not want to mother you they don't want to be your mother
1: i think they like it initially uh to some degree because it feels good it's like oh i'm needed i'm important i'm special. And then what they do is they carry their men around in those little mini purses that you see women carrying at the airport and have their little lap dog. Yeah. Yeah. And they feel really special because they have purpose in their life. And then it's like, Oh, this dog is exhausting. I got to clean up its shit and I got to like take it everywhere and feed it. And I'm trying to just be over here. So yeah, it's, it's nice at first, but it loses its luster fairly quickly. Yeah. Women, women definitely prefer to be led. They,
0: you know, they want to look up to a giant. They want to be with somebody like that. Um, talk to me about the beard, right? Cause somebody made a comment. <laughs> somebody made a comment somewhere. Where is it? There it is. Two good men, two great beards. Of course, another bald man with a beard. Um, That's right. Talk to me about the beard.
1: Cause I mean, it's gone not through. quite different... bald, but it is trimmed down. So
0: yeah, but well, well, I mean, you've been through a couple of different iterations of facial hair. Like you've kind of been like the masculine, um, Real man, real style, sort of model. Then, then it's then it's grown long and scruffy. Then it's cut short. Like, what's the thinking behind the beard? You know, for you, because I'm because I'm always curious about that when men rock beards on a long term basis.
1: Yeah, I uh, so you, you talked about Antonio with real men, real style. Yeah, I actually went to his conference early on, and I'm totally out of place. I'm like, I, I dressed. I don't. I don't think I wore a suit, but like business casual, which I don't wear. It's just. I was so awkward and uncomfortable, but I went because I wanted to see what it was all about. And uh, I I think I was, I didn't, I don't think I had a beard at the time. And I saw Eric Bandholz with beard brand. I don't, do you know him? No. Okay. Anyway, saw him. He had the beard. He's like, you should grow a year. So grow a beard for a year without shaving. And I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. I like your beard. I'll try it. And I did. And I just, and I liked it. I liked having a beard. Um, I, I liked the fact that I could have conversations about it or people would ask me about it. So I got some attention from it, but at some point, like it became more of a decoration than anything like meaningful or purposeful <laughs> in my life, you know? Uh, it's and then it
0: gets long, doesn't it?
1: It is. It's like, like doing hair. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do hair. Like I've got other things to do. I want to wake up. And take a quick shower, slap some deodorant on, and get to work. And now I got to like put beard oil. Like I got to manage. I don't want to do that. Mm. So um, and and not to mention with training jujitsu, I was losing like ten percent of my beard every time I rolled, and I finally just got sick of it. I'm like, all right, I'm done. And I trimmed it to to your length, about maybe a little longer. And you know, I liked it, and I trimmed it up this length, and I did it shorter with the mustache, and this is about where I keep it now. Mm. Um, just because i like it like i like the way it looks i i I like i don't know i i I don't have any other purpose to it other than just it's just me you know just Mm -hmm. feels like it's part of me at this point it literally is i guess yeah well it always i mean for me
0: it became part of the brand i mean there was like one point about a year and a half ago where i had like a rash under my beard and i was like fuck do i Uh shave this thing off like this is gonna be a problem (laughs) right (laughs) i gotta do i change the avatar like what do i go with now and it's just yeah
1: i kind of worked through it um, well, let's be honest, though, too, Rich. I mean, look, a beard is a pretty generally accepted sign of masculinity, right? And I'm not saying you have to have a beard to be a man or be masculine. But generally, we accept a beard as being a, in, an icon of masculinity. So yeah, it's one of the characteristics that
0: separates men from women, right? Adult men of course. from adult women, right? It's, it's, it's very obvious. I mean, adult women yes. don't grow beards until they're much older in life sometimes, but well, it also we'll depends on,
1: you know, how you define a woman a woman these days anymore, which seems to be subject to interpretation. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably get into that. I'm sure in this conversation, <laughs>
0: speaking of which, so let's talk about toxic masculinity. Like when you hear that phrase, what does that mean to you? Like, what do you think of?
1: Uh, look, I'm, I'm trying to be pretty mature about the way I see the situations and in, in experiences and phrases. And so immediately I reject it. <laughs> like my knee jerk reaction is like, that's stupid. Mm. Because I think what a lot of people are saying is that masculinity is inherently toxic. Mm. And, and I know that also some people are saying, nobody's saying that they're saying that using masculinity in harmful ways is toxic. I get, I get both sides. I can see both sides. You know, the, I don't the, the use APA the phrase,
0: uh, teaches psychologists to approach men from the perspective that, that, men are toxically masculine if you're going to be canceling them
1: yeah because they did a a study years ago uh and they named four characteristics they i think it was stoicism aggressiveness dominant dominance and competitiveness Mm. and they they said and i quote these things are inherently toxic to young men Mm. those those things are not inherently competitiveness is inherently toxic that's what they're trying to take out
0: of society today, right? You know, they want to give everybody a participation trophy and there's no first place and second and third places. Just everybody gets okay. a
1: ribbon now, right? Yeah, that's right. So so here's how I look at it. I And and I've really tried to flesh this out for myself because I want to understand and I want to be reasonable about it. And I want to be intelligent about it too. I don't, I don't think masculinity is... It, it's amoral. I don't think it's good or bad. Like, mm. It just is. Masculinity is basically a set of virtues, characteristics, behaviors based on biological makeup. That's it. Like if you strip everything else away, that's what it is. And that's not that's not good nor bad. It's just amoral. So you have one camp that says masculinity is toxic as deemed by the APA. And you have the other camp that says, no, masculinity is good and we need it. I don't agree with either. I think that we can harness violence or competitiveness or aggression uh, or stoicism for productive outcomes. And I also think we can do some destructive shit with it. So the way that I define it is that it's, it's, it's amoral. And then how you utilize it is what makes you a man. So a man is somebody who's biologically male. It's a prerequisite. And then how they're harnessing those masculine characteristics and traits for productive outcomes for themselves and for the people they have responsibility for. That's Mm -hmm. what makes somebody manly or a man. Speaking of manly, so
0: talk about manly skills. Like, is there a list of uh, traits or characteristics
1: that you try to instill into your three sons? Well, so to zoom out a little bit, um, the framework that I look at manliness through is the ability to protect, provide, and preside Mm -hmm. over ourselves, over our loved ones, and also over people who can't do it for themselves. Uh, Now, within within those broad, you know, categories. Yeah. There's a lot of skills that we would need to be able to, to, uh, to meet those, those three tenants, whether that's learning how to make money, learning how to market yourself, learning how to communicate effectively, learning how to defend yourself, learning how to use a firearm, uh, being vigilant, being aware of your surroundings, uh, knowing how to network, knowing how to build a band of brothers Anything that's going to help you become a better protector, provider, or presider is something that all men ought to tap into. Even that's expressing what? creativity. Like a lot of, a lot of, I had a guy the other day. He's like, Hey, I want to, uh, what did you say? I want to learn how to paint, but I'm, I'm worried that's not manly. What the hell are you talking? Like paint, like paint. It's not a gender specific thing. Like it doesn't make you more manly or less manly. What makes you manly is learning how to paint and then selling your art so you can put food on the table. But you can do that painting, or you can do that having a podcast, or building a desk. There's a, an infinite number of ways to do that. It's not about the activity; it's how you harness it. Mm.
0: What are your what's your take on the version of feminism that exists today? Not the one that I mean. Like you and I are, are pretty close to the same age. I mean, like the version that that I remember growing up was you know, let's just, you know, try to make sure that women have an equal opportunity, you know, sort of thing, right? Um, yeah. Today, it, it from my perspective, it appears to be more of a supremacy movement where it's not so much concerned about making women better. It seems more concerned about taking men down <laughs> or making them less and uh, not doing anything to improve the state of women. It, it removes femininity from the equation is pr- pretty much yeah. the way that I would look at it. Like, what's your take on the way that feminism looks like today?
1: I, I agree with what you just said. Um, wh- what I what I see is is that there is a movement and a growing trend. And this is ironic because this feminist type movement that we see today will undermine and mock and dismiss and ridicule masculinity. And in the very next breath, they'll tell women not directly, but this is their messaging is that you have to act like a man in order to be equal or better than a man. So it's like, well, which is it? Is masculinity and manliness harmful and destructive and bad? Or is it that you should act more like a man so that you can be his equal? And I don't think a woman acting like a man makes her equal to, to a man and makes her an inferior version of a woman. (laughs) Like that's, that's the only outcome of it. So when I, you know, when I look at women, you know, my wife is a great example of this. She's a stay-at-home mother. She's a homemaker. I just did a podcast with her uh, earlier. We were on somebody else's podcast. And the gentleman said, how would you like me to introduce you? And she said, uh, wife and mother. That's that's right. Because that, that her, that's her greatest calling. She's wanted to do that and be that from the time that we, she was little. But the feminist movement we see today would laugh and scoff at that. Oh, oh, you're, you're going to be inferior? Oh, your, your husband under your thumb? or You're under your th- husband's thumb? I can't believe he's keeping you barefoot and pregnant. And she's over here thinking, I'm just living my best life. I'm here. I'm supporting. I'm nurturing. I'm guiding. I'm counseling with him. I'm turning this house into a home. And so I have a real issue with women's empowerment when it's not really about women's empowerment. It's about turning women into inferior versions of men.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so bizarre because it's like the, like the version of feminism today seems to tell women that you can't do anything for the express pleasure of your man, make him a sandwich, bring him breakfast, uh, you know, bring him a a, a nice glass of iced tea while he's working outside doing something, you know, for the, you know, for the household, but they'll encourage them to go and, uh, you know, get a job, get a degree, frame (laughs) it in mahogany with little letters after their name and go and serve a boss. Who's probably, yeah. you know, more likely than not a man. Like that's, that's good. Serving your household is bad, right? Right. It's such a bizarre It's, sort of it's
1: interesting. I come home from jujitsu, uh, two to three nights a week. And when I get home, food's on the counter, you know? And, and I say, what well, you know, what, what did we have for dinner tonight? And she's like, yeah, we had, you know, steak and potatoes and broccoli. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go take a shower. She's like, great. I'll warm up your food for you. Mm. And I come down and the food's warm and it's sitting there and it's beautiful and it's delicious. And I eat it and I honor her and she honors me. That doesn't make her inferior. She wants, she's expressing her love and admiration for me. Like this is a partnership. She's expressing her gratitude. That doesn't make her like subservient or a a slave or servant to me. It's just This is the way that she's expressing her gratitude and appreciation for the relationship that we have.
0: It does make her an outlier today, though. I mean, the vast 100%. majority of women, especially in urban centers, believe that that's not the goal anymore. The goal is right. c- compete with men, climb the corporate ladder, get degrees. And then by the time they're like 40 and they've got two eggs left over, they rush out to go out and try to get married and have a family, right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's what they you know usually end up with. They come to an epiphany at some point in their late 30s or even early 40s where they're like, I'm screwed. I made some bad choices and this isn't really what I wanted, right? And they're surrounded by a few cats and a box wine subscription and a, a boss that they hate and a patriarchy that
1: they, uh, you know, march against, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's It's a shame that they're being fed that line. That's the real issue is that they're being fed that line Look, by a sinker. bunch of angry, bitter women who yeah. did the same thing and they want other people to do follow in their footsteps so they too can be miserable.
0: It feels like a losing battle today, though. Like, what's your take on that? Because I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of at the point now where it's, where it's like, I'm just, just leave me alone. Don't tax me. Stay out of my life. I'll just enjoy the decline as things sort of unfold as time passes on, right? But, um, you know, there's, there's others that uh, haven't, haven't gotten there, or may not get there, or may get there at some point. Like, I'm just curious uh, about your take on that that role that society plays today because like the way that you live and the way that you describe coming home from the dojo and dinner's ready and you can take a shower and she'll heat it up and there's none of this like i remember um you know a buddy of mine telling me once you know um you know recently married had a small child that was about six or seven months old and he came home from work one day and he's like you know, uh, hey, sweetheart, you know, what's for dinner? And uh, she scoffed at him, went to the freezer, took a bag of some frozen something or another and whipped it at him. And he was like, Yeah, yeah,
1: he's like, what is this? Like, what is, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I mean, that's a bitter, that's a bitter move, right? Like there's a lot of bitterness and contention in doing something like that. Yeah. Now, granted, like, I'm not going to disrespect my wife by saying, woman, go make me a sandwich. Because that's what, you know, some guy, that's not what I do. I'm not saying that at all. Like there's mm-hmm. a balancing act here. Like I've got to respect her too. And the more I respect her, the more she's going to respect me in return and we're going to serve each other. Um, So with, with your, your question about uh, the balance between, you know, disengaging and being engaged, it's, it's interesting, man. I just, I said, I moved to Maine. Uh, we bought 50 acres out here. We live in a very rural area. I too want to be left alone. I don't, I don't want you to bother me. Um, I want to live my life. I want to raise my kids. Uh, I don't, I don't want to get into stuff that doesn't make sense to me or I think is destructive. Uh, I want to make a little money, have some experiences. Like I want all of that and more. But I don't think that I get to absolve myself of what's going on in society. So one of the things that you said was pay less taxes or, or just pay my taxes or not pay more taxes. Well, mm-hmm. if we don't get involved, like you're going to pay more taxes. <laughs> like That's the inevitable outcome is that there is no there is no universe in which we'll be left alone. It's a constant march against the way of life that we enjoy and the way of life that we want to have. And so is it a losing battle? Yeah, man, probably in a lot of ways, until it gets so bad that enough people wake up. I I think probably it is. Mm-hmm. But the result or or the 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 opposite is to do nothing and just to let it happen quicker. And I can't do that. I what I want to do is I want to rally men around the concepts that we're sharing and empower and embolden them to live a life of meaning and significance so that we can ward off some of this nonsense before it gets too bad i know your friends yeah with, it might um, be futile but man important work yeah
0: i know you're friends with jack donovan and um you know he's a friend of mine too and i'm i'm gonna have him on, <laughs> on my podcast again soon because it's the 10th anniversary yeah. for the way of man um but um Yeah, like he's kind of of the opinion just to sort of like, you know, leave me alone, you know, let it do what it's going to do, and I'll just, you know, live my life the way that I want to uh, live it. But the way of men is the way of the gang, right? And that's kind of the opening to his book, and I'm with you on the whole, let's draw a perimeter and define who's on the outside and who's on the, uh, sorry, who's on the outside and who's on the inside and protect those that are on the inside, nurture them and and live with them in in harmony and peace. And make sure if those on the outside, try to do anything to you guys on the inside, then you're of course able to, um, you know, respond accordingly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's difficult because it feels like you're a minority, you know, when you're coming from a position of look, just, you know, you guys, I don't care what people do. I don't care about their, orientation, whether they think they're a Z's or her pronouns they use, just don't force your crap on me. Right.
1: Well that, but then also to go back to what I said earlier about protecting, providing and presiding part of that. And I said it was to make sure that we do that for people who can't do it for themselves. So when I see gender ideology, for example, being shoved down the throats of children who don't know any better and can't defend themselves, you're damn right. I'm going to say something about it Mm. because it's not right to mutilate physically young boys and young girls or to introduce them to permanent puberty and, and hormone suppressing type chemicals uh, and then quite literally permanently castrate these young children they can't defend themselves you know they, they're, they're physically of course but also mentally you know I, you, um, we homeschool our kids yeah i was going to say
0: like you homeschool your your kids so how do you go about you know defending those kids that might not be in a position to have an opportunity to, like have a dad like you
1: Yeah. So part of it is talking about it, of course, but that doesn't always go far. It never goes far enough, just talking about it, but it's also rallying other men to do the same for their families. That's why I've always been an outspoken proponent, not always more recently proponent of homeschooling. And then I also encourage men to get involved in their communities. So that means coaching your sons uh, and daughters, baseball teams and sports teams. It means going to student council or excuse me, um, uh, uh, school board meetings, getting involved in PTA, getting involved in local politics so that we can do what we need to do to protect our youth from these horrible, horrible and destructive ideologies that are being presented with these days.
0: Speaking of ideologies, what do you think of the, uh, MGTOW movement,
1: the men going their own way thing? This has always been, so I get this question quite often. Um, I think there's some validity to what they're sharing. Uh, I think that if there wasn't it would be repulsive. So you, you you have to dabble some truth into it. But to me it seems like whether it's the MGTOW or the or 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 the red pill movement seems to be coming an increasingly extreme version mm. of confident, courageous, capable men and is in a way turning into the extreme feminist version for men. And I have a problem with that because you take young men who are impressionable, who are confused, who don't have male influences in their lives and you teach them that you're going to you're going to make them a badass by going their own way, by by not being involved with women, by painting everything else as the enemy and I think that leads to a life of contention and animosity and hostility and anger definitely not fulfillment. What's the difference between
0: MGTOW and the red pill movement as you see it?
1: Um, I I don't know, I can't really answer that. Maybe I'm unfairly lumping those two into the same category. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you can enlighten me on that a little bit. I, I've just seen so much from it that I tend to just distance myself from, from that arena because I don't wanna go there. I really wanna serve men in constructive ways and I don't see some of these movements going that
0: way. Yeah. So um, to kind of add some context to that. So I was I was involved in what was called the Manosphere. I've called it the Manoswamp Swamp now um, <laughs> for the last couple of years, because that's really what it looks like to me. Um, and the guys that are MGTOW are definitely red pilled. But the guys that are red pilled aren't necessarily going their own way. Right. Like there's a lot of guys no. that are red pilled that understand women that understand, you know, what drives attraction, what drives, you know, women away, um, how to manage stuff over a long-term basis. I think overall, like being red pilled and to me, like I call it the, un- you know, like unplugging, like I called my book, the unplugged alpha. I know you've probably seen it. Cause you know, we follow each other on, um, uh, sure. yeah. uh, Instagram, but my book was basically built around the notion that you definitely want to unplug and red pill yourself. And here's some ways that you can apply that to your life so that you can have better experiences in life and with women. I'm not opposed to dealing with women. I'm, I'm in a long-term relationship, have been for a while now. Um, I have a chapter in my book actually about MGTOW. I think you'd like it because it, it kind of hits on some of the stuff that you're getting at, but it goes a lot deeper down the rabbit hole. Yeah, but, I'd love um, to check it out. Yeah, it's an interesting um, like segment of of like men's spaces because you see like, you know, the Tradcon space, the MGTOW guys, the Black Pill guys, the different color, like there's all these different colors of pills now. You know, there's white, purple, <laughs> red, blue. It's like nobody can make up their the mind. The LGBTQT like, of, it, of awakening right. pills, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all of a sudden turning into the alphabet soup of, you know, like <laughs> right. like the alphabet crowd is now turning into different colored pills, right? And everybody wants to like hold theirs, you know, the highest, like this is the best right. one. And if you don't subscribe to mine, then I'm going to hate you sort of thing. So it's or interesting... or if you
1: don't subscribe to mine, then I'm a victim of you, which is right. even worse.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's. Uh, I guess if according to what you're saying, you know, if, if you're saying it that way, you, I I would consider myself red pilled in a way, in that I I recognize it for what it is. I'm not going to, um, make myself subservient to women or think that I'm inferior. But I'm also not going to take it to the extreme and think that they don't add an amazing dynamic to life that is so valued in a thriving society mm. you know so I do get very skeptical when we start placing uh these types of terms around it like manosphere which I don't like I like mana swamp uh red pill megtau. uh I, it, it, it concerns me because even tradcon then it becomes tribal and the
0: but aren't men tribal though
1: Yes, you know, but the way of men and, is the way of the gang, right? It's tr- true. But if we can't expose ourselves to new information because yeah. we're so extremely tribal that anything from the outside isn't a threat to us. Like, here's an example is that in modern culture, especially on social media, like people won't even have conversations. I had Phil Robertson on the podcast. He's, he's very spiritual. Um, half of our conversation was him going through passages from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't bother me. That's fine if that's his context, and his framework in which he views life, which mine is somewhat overlapped, not to the level his is. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I had a guy say, well, you know, I'd be very careful of aligning yourself with him. Aligning because I had him on the podcast, <laughs> yeah. Because I had a conversation with a man who's is saying something interesting, yeah. Like, I don't have to agree with everything he says, yeah. I get the same thing too. Like I'll talk to says.
0: somebody that that like one subscriber doesn't like, and he's like unsubscribe. It's like, dude, I don't care. Like you really yeah, have to write go. that,
1: leave, just go, go. yeah, exactly. So I think I think it becomes a problem when we cling so hard to our, our ideologies, whatever side of the aisle or spectrum they're on, that we aren't willing to at least consider that maybe there's another way of looking at it. And that's what I mean when I say becoming tribal. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I mean, like this is a, you know, this is potentially a a very long conversation when it comes to these like tribal natures of men and the different groups that they, uh, I mean, I'm sure that you probably had some, um, you know, thoughts about this Rich Cooper guy, right? Like when I reached out to you or like when you saw me on Instagram, like what was your initial um, thought?
1: Well, we've been following each other for some time now. So I follow what you do. I yeah. like a lot of what you do. I think we've had some brief interactions. where, like, Hey bro, I don't agree with that. Or you don't mm-hmm. agree with something I've said. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Like that's, then we need to have a conversation about it. Yeah, <laughs> you course. know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we've always, always been respectful towards each other. I, we actually, I was talking with somebody on a podcast yesterday. I was on another podcast mm-hmm. and your name got mentioned. I said, I'm actually going on with rich tomorrow. Oh, okay. Um, and, and the way that he had kind of framed things was, was that, and you already brought it up about, Hey, how much do we get involved and try to change the tide of society? And how much do we just be left alone? And so I was actually very curious where we would fall on mm. that conversation. Are we in agreement? Are we in alignment? Do we see things differently? That sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I've, so I've been through the divorce grinder and, you know, you know, I've experienced what um, can only be called probably one of the worst experiences. Um, you know, a lot of guys get spit out the other end destroyed. I, I, I managed yes. to pick myself back up and, you know, fix things up. And I still have, um, you know, a good relationship with my kid's mom. I got a great relationship with my girlfriend, my daughter and I are awesome. Um, so like there's some work that you got to do on yourself and there's some, obviously there's quite a lot of ownership that you have to take as a man because like that, uh, joke goes, I think it was Chris Rock and tambourine. He said something along the lines of, you know, um, you know, only women, children, and dogs are loved unconditionally. Men are only loved under the condition that they provide something of some value in the world and to their family. So it's like, you know, you've got to realize that, that there's like, you can't point and sputter at the world. You can't point and sputter at women. You can't point and sputter at, you know, groups of uh, people, you know, if they want to go and do their thing, if they want to hate on men and, know accumulate cats and do what they do that's awesome cut your hair short get fat diet purple and do whatever you want like i'm not i don't really care right but don't get mad at me or my boys if they don't want to date you right Right. and if you want to you know transition for you know from a boy to a girl cool awesome have fun you know with that but don't get mad at us if we don't want to date you like don't call us phobics or whatever right because we have preferences so it's like that's that's kind of where i lie with all that i'm kind of interested um who are you
1: talking to that mentioned my name um, who was it? It was the un. What was it, uh, uh, breaking beta podcast is what it was.
0: Oh, I think I talked to him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We had a great conversation, yeah. man. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, yeah, very thoughtful. Had some great questions. We had a good dialogue. It was a good conversation. Let me ask these questions. I, you so, know what, Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that Chris Rock quote, I was thinking about that. I've seen that before. Yeah. He's not wrong. He's not no, he's wrong. Not. He was absolutely right. But I also don't think it's entirely bad. like i don't think it's bad either because because i but i think a lot of people do they're like oh yeah we should just be intrinsically loved i'm like why well like well like well that's where
0: guys you know go wrong and they plug into society's lies or they go blue pill basically is they think like why can't a woman love me for who i am and it's like dude that's where you failed men and women are different okay women are loved because they're beautiful and they have you know, the ability to reproduce, like, that's why, that's why women have been cherished, you know, throughout history, men are only loved under the condition that they're valuable. Right? So what are you doing for yourself? That's valuable for you. And for any woman that you decide to invite into your life in whatever capacity that might look like. Right.
1: And it's like, I think it's well, well, there's another element to this is you're as a man, you're only going to love yourself to the ability or to the degree of your capabilities. Like if you're a fat, pathetic loser, You're not going to love yourself like you're going to feel bad about yourself. You're going to feel guilty about the way you're not showing up about your underperformance. And then you want everybody else to, to uh, acknowledge that you're okay in your mediocrity, man. If you want to love yourself, get your ass off the couch, go do some workouts, go to the gym, learn a new skill, get a promotion, ask a woman on a date. And, and maybe you'll start to feel better about yourself. And in turn, other people will be influenced by that and actually want to be around you.
0: You know what's interesting about that though, Ryan, is, I mean, those, those few words there that you said at the beginning, I think you said fat, pathetic loser. Those, those words would offend a lot of guys today. They would say, Ryan, you're shaming men. You shouldn't do that. Women should just love us for who we are. And it's like, that's dude, that's not the way that it works. Just because you idealize.
1: Why is shame wrong? Well, Well, Hey, listen, it shouldn't be wrong.
0: I don't think it should be wrong. I think if you're like, you know, if one of my friends is getting fat, I'll tell him, I'm like, dude, you're, you're, you know, you're packing maximum density here. Like you got to do something about this. You're not looking good, man. (laughs) Right. Like,
1: and you should be ashamed and you should be personally ashamed. Yeah. Like if I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing that, I know like deep down that I've made commitments not to do. And I do it like, let's, let's hypothetically say I step out on my wife. Like I've made a commitment to her for life. And and I decide to put that on the back burner because I see a beautiful woman or she gives me a little attention and I decide to forsake my commitment. I ought to be ashamed of that behavior. Mm-hmm. Like I should be, because hopefully what that does is that shame drives me to make better choices moving forward.
0: Interesting. Um, I want to talk about the money part. You you were involved in financial services at some point as yeah, well, that's too. My background. I think you said. Yeah. So you're a financial planner. Yes. And like that's kind of interesting because um, I was in the debt business for quite a few years. Like I ran one of Canada's most successful debt settlement companies for almost 15 odd years. I I, I did an exit around 2015 and sort of let my brother take it over. But um, I'm I'm well versed on the debt side of things. You're obviously yeah. well versed on the investment side of things. What did you do? Like what was your experience in that space and why did you leave it?
1: Yeah, so we so primarily what I was responsible for was different forms of insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, health insurance, those sorts of things, and then we did our securities planning in addition to it. So basically, and primarily, stock based investing. Mm-hmm. So we would create plans for people whether they were just getting started. Uh, we would do retirement plans for those people stepping out of their careers and now they're not making any more money. Do they have enough assets? How do we draw down these assets to be able to provide their way of life? How do we get them out of debt? Just a broad encompassing of, of all the things w- as it relates to what a person might need with their financial services. Um, yeah, I don't do it anymore. So like, if you ask me questions about like specific things, I, mean, I don't know. Um, Why did you leave I, it? Obviously, well, I left it because I started doing Order of Man. Okay. So I had the podcast called Wealth Anatomy and I actually just started it as an experiment to see like, if this is a cool way to market to potential clients, mm. and I remember thinking to myself, no self-respecting doctor is gonna listen to this schmuck on a on a podcast and then call him and want to work with him. <laughs> and, but I remember I got a phone call. It was a it was a, a physician in Pennsylvania, and he called me up and he's like, Hey Ryan, uh, I need to get some disability insurance. And then he rattled off all of the things that he needed, like all of the features of disability insurance. Like, I don't know about you, but the overwhelming majority of the population doesn't know a thing about disability insurance. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he knew everything he wanted, I'm like, okay, that was a little bit of a flag for me. I'm like, okay, are, are, you obviously know a lot about disability insurance. Are you shopping around? Are you like, how do you know so much about it? And he said this, I'll never forget it. Oh, I just listened to your podcast and I wrote down everything you said I needed. And I was like, so you reached somebody. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, got it. And my whole universe opened up in that moment. Uh, and, and, but like I said, I realized, you know, I don't want to have that same conversation. Um, I, I would see my, I would see my phone ring and I would see who it was and it was a client and I'd be like, Oh, not because it was a particular person, but because I knew what was coming, a conversation I just did not want to have.
0: So so would you say that purpose is important when you, choose a career? Like when you choose a path, like how important is that to you when it comes to doing something? I,
1: I don't think when you initially choose it, purpose is important. I think interest is for sure, but mm. having this lifelong pursuit and purpose, I don't know that you can have that as, as you enter into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, um, in, intent, maybe, uh, being intentional about the work that you're doing because you don't know where it'll lead. So mm. you don't have to be super passionate about what you're doing right now. Uh, but if you're, if you have intent about excellence with regards to what you're doing, it will begin to open up doors that might lead you to purpose and something more significant and meaningful in your life. Mm. But if you just dabble and you do it kind of haphazardly and and you're just mediocre, I think few doors will be open to you. And I think you'll have a harder time finding purpose down the road.
0: Let me switch gears and talk a little bit about podcasting because I mean, you're, like you're really good at this, obviously. So, uh, like, I'm I'm curious about how you got good at it, how you um, like book guests, how you select guests.
1: Yeah. Like, how did you figure yeah. that all out? Like, man, a lot of trial and error,
0: and I mean, you're 800 I, episodes in. You said right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you probably had still a conversation- learning
1: every. Oh, all the time. Even now I'm like, cool, this is, you know, like, what can I learn and take away from this? But I I had an interesting conversation with Jack Donovan about this. He says, you know, there's a lot of people in this, this men's self-development space, if you want to call it that. And he's like, one thing that you've been doing is taking this to the mainstream. And that's Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do. I think a lot of these men's movements have kind of danced around on the fringes and in the shadows and they have their own little underground followings and it's really powerful and my perception and thought has always been how do i take this to the masses and i've had people say oh you know this is just a a sellout or a or a spinoff of joe rogan's podcast or things like that or i have people that are Joe
0: rogan's podcast should be i'm okay with that
1: (laughs) i'm okay with that um and so i've had people you know say well like i don't like that guest you shouldn't have had him on i'm like but you listened didn't you yeah you know so i know what people listen to and I know what they will resonate with. And I also know what they won't, but they'll, I don't want to say argue about, but, but bring up some, some frustrations about, and that's good. That's what we should be doing.
0: Yeah. I think it's good to have like discourse. Like I had, um, do you know who Andrew, I think his name is Andrew Clavin.
1: Andrew Clavin from daily daily wire. Uh, yeah. Network, right. Yeah. Yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So his producer reached out to me at one point because they wanted to talk about marriage and divorce and, they must have come across some of my content where I was talking about it. So I went on the show with them and it was like a 20 minute segment. I wasn't expecting much. I mean, there was some hate, obviously, from people like, why is this guy here? You know, standard sort of stuff. But I yeah. found there was actually quite a few people that, even though, you know, we had a different opinion on a topic like marriage um, that actually like turned around and said, yeah. Um, and they follow me now and they've bought my book or they've hopped on like a call in segment on one of my podcasts. Like I had a guy the other day and, and that segment was like over a year ago. He's like, yeah, I saw you on the Andrew Claven podcast and I wanted to call in and talk to you about this and that and the other thing. So it's amazing. I think it's good to have different, you know, guests on that aren't like, it's not an echo chamber, right? Like one of the things that I noticed with the Mano Swamp is it's like, it's an echo chamber. It's always the same thing. It's totally. about chasing tail,
1: right? That's it. Right. Well, and even in the podcasting space in, in a lot of ways, it becomes a big circle jerk. Like everybody's just kind of jerking each other off and like, I'm going to talk about you positively. And you're going to talk about me positively. It's like, okay, like enough. I've heard this guy a hundred times or more, mm. uh, like, give me something else, you know? Mm. So the your question earlier was how do we, how do we book podcast guests? How do we, figure out who we want on the, on the show. You know, you I do look it all for trends do you
0: have a team or
1: no, I, I have somebody who helps me now. Hmm. Um, I used to do it all myself, but for the past year, um, I've got a, an amazing woman who's helping me manage all my logistics and book my podcast and reach out to these individuals. And, and I'll say, Hey, you know, I'd like to have this person on and she's like, okay, who do we know? Let's work our angles. And hmm. she figures that out. She's man. She's an absolute rock star. She's really done some amazing things for what we're doing here, but look, I, I at this point, I, I I jokingly say I just want to interview weirdos and assholes because we've heard from everybody else. Like, I want somebody with something different. Like, yeah. you know, people reach out and they'll they'll send me an email and say, "Hey, I want to talk about the five most important leadership principles." I'm like, got it. I already know what all that is. Like, what else? Give me something different." Yeah, you know, and. And, but I am looking for people who have platforms and people who obviously speak or have spoken about that particular subject and people say, well, you're only interviewing people that have large platforms. Partially. Yes, because I know that they've proven that they're talking about an issue that resonates with people and they're talking in a way that resonates with them. So Mm. they've proven that they're going to be a relatively decent person and guest to talk with. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people like, well, why don't you have this guy on? I'm like, I'm not going to let that guy experiment or test his skills on my podcast. Like we have a huge opportunity to bring on elite level people, high performing people who have something real to say. And that's who we're going to reserve the platform for. You Mm want to have a conversation with Joe Schmo, go knock on your neighbor's door. Yeah. You host them on your podcast. (laughs) You
0: can start your own show if you want. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about this. So there's a lot of um, like mas- like masculinity sort of groups out there now. There's, uh, I don't know, there's probably like at least a dozen that I'm uh, in on, like as a fly in the wall on different Facebook groups. And oh, yeah. they all seem to have, and they're mostly free, right? So it's like, you know, the free guys come in, they're using the boards to sort of like post about stuff that they're stuck on. And it seems like there's like a constant trend of like, the same sort of stuff, not good with women, not good with money. How do I make more money? How do I get out of debt? How do I, how do I get my wife to bang me? You know, my wife's banging somebody else. How do I get her to stop? Stuff like that. Um, you ever see that in your groups?
1: All the time. How do you, (laughs) you just describe my group, man. Yeah. So, so
0: (laughs) how do you deal with that? Like, because I mean, a lot of this, after a while, becomes obvious to guys like us. It's like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm clearly, you know, in a position where I made my wounds my work. I've done the work. I've leveled up. I've accepted these realities, and I applied in my life, sort of thing. Like, how do you deal with the masses of these men that are essentially like plugged into society's lies that don't serve them, that 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 are getting them these bad results?
1: So there's two ways I would say. Number one is empathy. Like, I, bro, I get it man, your, your wife just left you, uh, you're, you're miserable. Your business is failing. You're fat. Like, I, bro, I get it. I know, I know exactly what you're feeling right now. Cause I felt that and it was horrible. And so if you, like, if you're the thousandth or 10,000th person that said it, it's still real to you. Hmm. So I have to have that level of empathy, but that, but the hard part at this point where we've grown our movement to what we've grown it to, it's like, how do you serve these guys individually anymore? And you can't, you know, it's just too much. So what I do is I look for trends. And if there's a trend about um, some, something with relationships, then I'm, I'm going to do a podcast on it. Mm. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll archive that and I'll store it somewhere. And then as guys have an issue, like, cool, listen to episode 400 on, you know, May of 2021, I cover that exact issue. And so what it does is it serves both of us. Now I'm answering these guys' questions in a leveraged way. And I'm also utilizing it for content that's going to serve them and thousands of other people. Uh, And then there's always going to be another group of individuals uh, who want to take it to the next level. There's going to be a bunch of guys who are like, hey, I just want to come here. I need a few answers. I'm going to share some opinions. And that's all. And that's cool. Like if that's what you want to do, that's cool. But there's also going to be 1% to 2% of individuals, that's what I found anyways, who say, you know, Ryan, I really like what you're saying. I like what you put out there. Like, what's the next step? How do I elevate my experience here? Mm -hmm. And then we have opportunities as a business owner for them to do that. That's Mm -hmm. the Iron Council. uh, That's the live events that we run, other things, courses that we put into place, because there's always going to be that 2% who's like, okay got it check you answered my questions i was introduced and now i want more what more do you have
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 totally agree let me grab these super chats over here that popped up uh alt tab life says i'd pay to have andrew claven on he's a godly man but also a true realist he's essentially unplugged from the bs the church has become yeah i felt like i had a good conversation with him i mean it was uh it was well balanced i mean we weren't agreeing on everything but i thought it was a good talk uh, I'm a yeah. big fan of Roman history and war strategies do you ever talk about that I'm more of a fan of viking history to be honest with you um very like very strong connection to that personally what about you man is there any kind of like um, like historical time that you really connect with
1: I I like early American history personally, so mm-hmm. I, I read a lot on our founding fathers, uh, the way that we separated, and 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 the battles that we went through, and and how we fought for our freedom. But yeah, Roman history is fascinating too. There's a lot of good books and information on that. Um, reading 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 is becoming increasingly difficult. It's rare because <laughs> well, people don't do it so much anymore. It's hard though with everything that's going on for everybody, like on top of everything else everybody's doing, it's like, and then I have to sit down and read for an hour. It's Mm -hmm. like, we should be doing it. And I try to do it as often as I can, but it becomes hard too, because I'm reading books for guests that I have on the podcast. And so reading fictional or history becomes increasingly difficult when I've got a stack of books up to here to research for my guests that are coming on. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always have guys that say, Oh, you know, you have to have this, guest, that guest, and so and So on. It's like, I don't even know their names right? Like yeah. I invite guests on that I'm familiar with that I've of course. that I followed that I've consumed their content. So I know something about them and we can, you know, strike up some, uh, conversations on pieces that we might agree on or even disagree on. Right.
1: Or rich. One thing I would suggest maybe even, and I've done this is if a name keeps popping up over and over again, and you might not know who that is. Okay. That that's a trend. So that might be more of a reason to connect with that person. Although you may not even know who they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also true. Good point. Um, there was a video that I came across on your channel it was, it was a more popular one. It said something, it was, it was something along the lines of like, what boys need to be men sort of thing. And you were talking about, you've got to be a dad in the house, like you've got to be the man of the house, uh, dad in the house. And what are the arguments that these Mictau guys will often make is the juice is not worth the squeeze, like it's not even worth engaging with women, uh, marriages of raw deal sort of thing. How do you and I think that you understand that. Like, I think that you understand that marriage totally. is hostile, right? Like, Totally. Not, not not, not hostile in the st- sense where guys get, you know, destroyed because of marriage, but it's the way that marriage is run today. Because there's a really good book by Stephanie Kuntz called The History of Marriage. I don't know if you've read it.
1: No, I'm actually interested in that, though. History of Marriage?
0: Yeah. Uh, the author is uh, Stephanie Kuntz. And, and okay. Basically, the TLDR version is that really, you know, people have always gotten married throughout history for the acquisition of in-laws, right? Let's, you know, like your family has this shit over here and my family has this shit over here. So we're going to blend and, you know, we're going to take care of each other, right? Because, you know, for thousands of years, um, if there was um, medical issues uh, required, there was law enforcement required, there was uh, financial issues required. Uh, you know, that needed to be dealt with. You deal with it within your family. There was no government. There was no banking. There was none of this bullshit. It was like, you know, if somebody uh, did you wrong and you had a, a strong family, then you had recourse, right? So that right. was part yeah. of the reasons why people sense. got married for such a long period of time. But today now we're, you know, we're in a position where I think it's understood for the most part that marriage isn't about love anymore. It's, it's, it's definitely not about the acquisition of in-laws. And it's been turned into a a thing now where uh, the state and essentially women end up becoming the head of the household, especially if, if, if the knot becomes untied, you know, if things go sideways and you need to part ways, that's when things can get pretty bad for guys. So, you know, when you encourage guys to like basically man up and be the father in the home and be the man, how do you balance that with the environment that we live in today as men, where... If a woman wants to, I mean, I had a conversation once with a guy. He came home from work and he found his wife um, at home on the phone. When he walked in the door, uh, on on the phone with nine one one, basically saying, "Yeah, he's here now. I'm scared. He's threatening to hit me. Mm. You, you know, you have to come now." And then hung up the phone. And then, you know, ten minutes later, there's three cop cars. One of them pulls up on the front lawn, knocks over a bush and stuff, and they arrest him and take him away. So. Like there's any number of things that, you know, guys have experienced that some, some men watching this right now may not understand, but others that have been through it are going to be nodding their head and say, yeah, it was even worse for me. Like, how do you balance that now as a guy? Like, how do you recommend guys balance that today? I want to hear from you on that.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, those women who do that, um, and this goes for like false rape accusations and all of that stuff too, need to be punished to the full extent of the law, but they never do. They never get held held accountable. I know. And that's why we need to make sure that we as noble and righteous and capable men get into positions of authority and power so we can start to make some changes in the laws and also the family court system, which is clearly, clearly stacked against the men in this country. It's Mm. horrific. Uh, Now, but to answer your question more directly, heavy vetting. All right. I think too many people rush too quickly into marriage. And I was fortunate. I lucked out but it could have very easily gone the other way for me um, because I didn't vet as well as maybe I could have. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot about the red flags that men need to make sure they're avoiding and and addressing often quickly, early, frequently. And then also looking for green flags. Drama is one of them. Uh, A bad, uh, these are not deal breakers. So I'm going to throw that out there, but being engaged in drama, horrible friends, Okay, if she has horrible friends, that's a red flag. Uh, promiscuity with other men—that's a red flag. She's mm-hmm. sleeping with you right away. She's willing to sleep with anybody else right away. Mm-hmm. Look at her family dynamic—the the family that she comes from. What, what what did she learn when she was a young girl? What's her mother like? How does her mother behave? How's her father? How is her relationship between her mother and her father? What 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 does she believe about? these, uh, these societal issues like transgenderism and, and politics. Like you got, like, you got to know these things. What are her goals? What are her ambitions? What are her desires? How many kids does she want to have? How does she want to raise them? Does she want to go into the workforce or does she want to be a stay at home mom? When things go south in the relationship, is she going to bail or is she going to work through those things? Does she have a track record and a history of bailing and running away from conflict? Or can she prove to you that she's capable of dealing with conflict like a mature adult. Man, these are all things that so many guys overlook and they're like, I was surprised, I was shocked, I was caught off guard. No, you weren't, dude. Really? You knew it was
0: coming, yeah.
1: Really? You knew it was you coming, just you just Sex it. was good, Yeah. yes. Yeah. So heavy vetting, um, and then yes, if you're in a relationship already, I think that, not all of it, but I think a lot of the challenges that we see between husband and wife could be mitigated If you do indeed step up as a man. And Mm -hmm. that's what I, when I say step up and become that patriarch of your home, I'm talking to men who are already in committed relationships because I'm not advocating for you to bail just because things get difficult. And I think that as you become a more capable, confident man, you'll be able to lead her more effectively. And the likelihood of your marriage lasting will drastically increase and improve.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned red flags because I have 20 red flags in my book in one of the chapters that I tell guys to pay very, very close attention to. And I mean, right off the bat, I tell them, I go, look, you know, you can invite these women into your life. You can have kids with them. You can marry them. You can be in a relationship with them. People do it. But you're going to unnecessarily complicate your life to a degree that could put you, your health, the access to your kids, uh, your financial resources, all at tremendous risk and you're right most guys don't do that they'll spend more time uh researching their next car than what they will put into considering whether or not she's going to be a good person to to invite into their life right what are
1: some of those red flags that that you have
0: in your book I can go through them. Uh, Daddy issues. Number two is feminist. Number three, uh, the unhappy and unlucky. Number four is she competes with you. Number five, she keeps men from her past around. Number six, she's poor with money. (laughs) Number seven, she's violent. Number eight, she has extreme jealousy. Number nine, she's a party girl. Number 10, she's covered in tattoos and piercings. Number 11, she has a big notch count. Number 12, she's a single mom. Number 13, she's seeking validation and attention online. Number 14, she's a sugar baby or has been one in the past. Uh, Number 15, she's a pathological liar. Number 16, she has baby rabies. Number 17, she throws hissy fits. Number 18, you're not in control of the birth. And number 19, she's a drama queen. Number 20, she's got addictive personality. Solid list. I don't disagree with any of that. If you can avoid almost all of that, ideally, you're probably dealing with somebody that's potentially going to be a compliment to your life and not the focus
1: you said you said one baby rabies what is that should I know what that is
0: yeah absolutely so that's kind of a term from from the man of swamp that I sort of uh refined a little bit but what it essentially means is you're running into a woman that's like I need to have kids right now like she's 38 she's climbed the corporate ladder she's on dating apps she doesn't even ask you you know, uh, where we're going to meet for the drink. It's like, do you want to have kids right now is the first thing that she'll yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big problem because these women will basically like get knocked up by any guy that's just good enough because her biological clock is ticking. And guys like that usually get destroyed pretty bad in a divorce a few years down the road when she realizes that she doesn't need him anymore. She's got the kids. And they're generally pretty successful guys because women are hypergamous. So they date cross crossing up. So he could be a surgeon that's a bit of a dork that realizes that she's 38 and she wants to have kids. So yeah, okay, you know, let's do this now sort of thing. And then he just destroys his life because he avoids, you know, that and potentially other red flags.
1: It's interesting you said that because I wrote down right here, um, uh, before you've said that, kids solving problems is a red flag, which I think is along the same lines. So similar, yeah. people will think, if if you have a woman who thinks that, oh, having a child will solve her problems or your guys' problems, Mm -hmm. don't have a kid. That doesn't solve, per- like, if she's not whole without, she's not going to be whole with. Yeah. So you got to be very, I, I like that. That I'm in agreement with that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, the, <laughs> on a balance of probabilities, you get involved with a woman that's got baby rabies, that's that's potentially going to end the relationship pretty rapidly. I mean, there's there's usually things that, like, stack with that, too. So if you've got a 38-year-old that's got baby rabies, she's single, she's been single most of her life, she's probably dated a ton of guys, racked up a huge not, notch count, A woman that's banged 50 guys has a very, very, very poor ability to pair bond in a healthy way to a guy because, like you mentioned when you were kind of going on the rant there, um, if if she can't deal with conflict, if she can't deal with problems in a relationship in a mature way, she's already left 50 other guys plus – Right. You know, there's a 50 that she banked, plus the other guys in and around that equation. She's not likely to want to stick around. She'll just move on to the next guy and make it 51 or 52 or, you know, whatever that number happens to become over time. So a lot of these kind of stack with the other. Like one of the common things that happens, like I get DMs from guys all the time and they're like, dude, I and and here, I'll just put up on the screen. So if you're new to watching my my channel. I'm going to put the ticker down over here. So if you get on my email list at entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash red dash flags, you can download the red flag chapter for free. It's like 20, 25 odd pages sort of thing. And I get DMs from guys all the time. They're like, dude, I went through the chapter and, you know, my my crazy ex had like 18 of the 20 red flags or my ex-wife that destroyed me in family court had like 13 of the 20 red flags. Like you were so right sort of thing. So it's like, guys, pay attention. If you're going to invite a woman into your life, it is risky. It is high risk and generally lower reward for men and low risk and higher reward for women. It's it's a different equation. So you have to be very, very picky and selective when you invite a woman into your life because things change dramatically, especially when you guys start having kids together.
1: Agreed. I mean, well said. What what more can I say on that?
0: Um <laughs> We got like 10 minutes left, so I want to start to, start to wrap up. I got, I got one more question for you. So one of the things that I said recently that seemed to um, really polarize a lot of people, and I want to get your take on this. Like I've said like depression generally equals not accepting the reality of the world that you live in. Like I'm not a strong believer in like we need to coddle and pander to people. It's like if you feel like you're depressed – are you having a hard time with accepting the reality of the world that we live in or are you really depressed? Right. I'm just curious on what your thought on that is. Cause a lot of guys will tend to revert to, to more feminine programming, right? Like they'll kind of go back to the female first primary social order and sort of like, yeah, I feel depressed and I'm weak and I need like everybody's sympathy sort of thing. And it's like, dude, you're a man, right? You're struggling yeah. with the reality of the world that you live in. Usually it ties into something like, well, Why can't I just get a girl like I'm really a great guy? Like, why can't they just accept me, you know, for who I am? That's why I'm depressed. It's like, yeah, but you're 330 pounds. You have a bad neck beard. Your your skin's horrible. You have no money and you live in your mom's basement playing video games all day. Like, are you really depressed or do you struggle with the reality of the world? I just wanted to get your take on that because I hear a lot of guys with that.
1: I, I think they might actually be depressed, but it might be a symptom of what you're saying. Mm. You know, I, but I think they they probably are down and depressed, and maybe even suicidal about it. Oh, so yeah. I, I think I I think I agree. Um, I would also say that a lot of it probably stems from them being a bit delusional about their own reality, and maybe that's what you're saying too. Yeah, is like essentially. Yeah. So, okay. You're, you're, you're upset that you didn't get the promotion. Well, you also come into work late and you, you know, leave early and you don't maximize your time there and you don't add any real value. Why in the world do you think that somebody should, should promote you? Mm-hmm. Or like you said, I can't get women to like me. Well, yeah, you don't even like yourself because you said you were going to go to the gym this morning. And you've said that for the last 365 days and you haven't done it. And you know you're a liar now. Of course mm-hmm. you're depressed about that. You're a liar. You're lying to yourself. Who wouldn't feel depressed about that? Yeah. So I think the way that we overcome some of this is by keeping the commitments that we make to ourselves. And then all of the other things start to work themselves out. Surprise! Surprise! You got the promotion. Surprise! Surprise! You lost fifty pounds. Surprise! Women are paying attention to you. Those th- those externals work themselves out when you deal with the internals.
0: Yeah, like I've, you know, I've often said, and you know, sometimes this pisses people off, but I mean, they can't argue with it. You'll never see a depressed guy behind the wheel of a Lamborghini with a hot girl in a driver's seat, in the passenger seat. Sorry, it doesn't happen, <laughs> right? I mean, you work hard, you're successful, you have attractive women in your life. Women in your life, you know, whatever it is you decide to do with your life, who cares? But
1: you the only caveat seize. to that, the only caveat Good. would be the guy who rented the Lamborghini and it's a prostitute in the car. Seat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's Fair a diff. Enough. That's the dip, That's the difference. Yeah. Is that real? We don't is know. It, I don't know it if it's real.
0: Yeah. Chapter three of my book is genuine burning Desire. So that so that deals with you know the real burning desire that you know she's actually there and wants to be there. Um, right, exactly. Let me uh, let me grab these last few super chats. Uh, we did the Roman history one. I mean, from a strategic <sighs> standpoint. When it comes to manhood, the story of Caesar versus uh, Versin—I'm not familiar with that name— has elements that the truckers use in protest. Uh, Again, I'm not familiar with Roman history. I'm not either. Okay, so we'll skip that, but thanks for the super. Uh, North-South says, I'm married and had two kids with a senator's daughter. So it is interesting you brought up the—brought up acquisition of in-laws. Of course, she had a team of divorce lawyers. Yeah, okay, well— are you are you divorced or married it says i'm married and had two kids i married and oh i was married and had two kids so he was divorced so yeah yeah yeah. yeah, i mean acquiring good in-laws should matter and i think it's something that that should be taken into consideration as you're dating you know like do you like do you want to hang out with her brothers right you know do you want to do shit with her dad you know sort of thing like does she have a good relationship with her dad um, yes. things things like this should be taken into consideration and not ignored or you know skipped over just because you know she's she's hot and she let and she touches your pee pee you know sort of thing like that's how most guys <laughs> base their relationships. Oh, she touches oh, my pee pee and calls me back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, Ryan, it's been a slice. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Why don't you tell people too, where man. they can find you?
1: Uh, the podcast is the best place. So order a man podcast wherever you listen. Uh, Outside of that, connect with me on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Ryan Mickler. I think it says it right there on the screen so you can connect with me there.
0: Awesome. Guys, give the uh, video a thumbs up, share it with somebody that might need to see it and just chuck a comment below for the algorithms. Appreciate you. See you guys in the next one.